This is an exciting time. Welcome. I want to say hi to everybody that is watching online. I know my mom is watching, so I want to say hello to mom. And uh, also, I got an email. This is kind of great. I got an email from a Tracy Perez, and she said her son, who's in the Army at Fort Hood, watches online week to week. So I want to give a big shout out and a hand clap to all the soldiers at Fort Hood, huh? Thank you. I want to say hi to all the men at the Ramsey unit, and I hope everything at the West End and uh, Missouri City campuses are going. This is an exciting season for our church. It's growing like crazy. We're post-pandemic, and things are happening. People are finding us. Our two campuses, West End and uh, and Mo City, are exceeding their pre-COVID attendance numbers, and that's very, very exciting. They're working hard. Let's clap for them. So if you're down there, if you're down there at West End or if you're over in Missouri City, go by and see Chad at Mo City and Abe. He'll buy you a coffee, actually. Abe will buy you a coffee. He'd love to meet you and greet you. Listen, we're a relational church. We want to get to know people. We want to make sure that everybody's connected. This is a tough time in life. Hey, life's hard. I don't want you to do it alone. I don't want to do it alone. So let's figure out how to be together. So our small groups are really the key. It's kickoff season of small groups. Here at the Richmond, I don't know what they're doing at the other campuses, but here at Richmond, there's actually a menu in the back of your seat of all the things and offerings we have. And here's what I want you to do. I know you're scared. Here's my, here's my annual small group joke. You ready for this? So what you do is you sign up for one. You never sign up for one. You're scared to death, and you go. And the people are freaky, okay? So you say, I ain't going back. But you're not going to quit. So you go to another group, a different group. And you go there, and the people are weird. Well, if you go to a third group, listen, it's you. Okay, there, that's my joke. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'll be here all week. It'll be great. Yeah, so. No, sign up. Get to know people. It's an eight-week deal. You're going to miss two or three of them because that's the way you are. And, you know, just go meet some people. Come on, be brave. Anyway, so we're in this love song series, right? Love, song, love songs and heartbreaks. And we're in relationships, uh, talking about relationships. If you're single, this is perfect timing for you. We have so many single um, uh, single parents, single young professionals, single people. And listen, here's the thing. I, if you're single, this is a perfect time for you to sharpen your skills and to know what to look for, right? If you're married, it's, you're catching up. It's what's happening here. They said there's three rings in marriage. Have you heard this? Three rings in marriage. There's the engagement ring. There's the wedding ring. (laughs) My wife's not here, so I can say these things. Engagement ring, wedding ring. Oh, yeah, and suffering. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. I'm hyped up on coffee today, so... It's tough. Yeah, so if you're single, then listen, listen, I know, I, lo- I know a lot of singles, especially at West End. I've met so many young professional singles out there, and they're, you know, they love, you know, you think, you know, marriage is the answer. But listen, this is the perfect time for you and your relationship with God to develop what you're looking for. And so I'm going to help you with that today, because regardless if you're married to single, this today, what we're going to talk about is absolutely important. Relationships are important. Listen, when God said in the book of Genesis that we're made in his image, here's what I think he was talking about. I think he was talking about the fact that God is a relational God and wants an intimate connection with each and every one of us is created. And he made us relational. In fact, If your relationships in life aren't good, here's one thing about your life I know, your life ain't good. 
Everything else can be going great. You can be healthy and good looking and have a lot of uh, social media followers if that's important to you. And yet, if your relationships are broken or hurtful or in a crisis, your life stinks. And that's the way it's supposed to be. So it's our responsibility to figure out how to build good relationships. And so we want to figure out how to do that. And Jesus had a lot to say about that. So today we're going to talk about communication. And I want to use a passage in the book of Mark. It talks about one thing, but I think we can figure out really the overarching um, arching idea. Are y'all here? Okay, good. Here we go. Mark chapter four. Here we go. Listen, let's say that out loud together. Come on, Missouri City, West End, Ramsey Unit. Come on, ready? Say that word. Listen, God always puts the responsibility on you and me to listen, right? So that's important. So Jesus starts this parable that's famous by saying, listen, I'm about to tell you something here, okay? So listen to this. You do this with your children, like with my children, I had four children raising these children up, and they were constantly in trouble because they're preacher kids, you know? And, they're all, and so I'd sit down knee to knee. That's one of my deal, man. I wanted to touch knee to knee to them and talk to them and look them right in the eye and say, are you listening to me? And man, when they looked away, you knew they weren't. So I want to make sure you're listening. That's what, that's what Jesus is saying. Here's the story. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came along and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. And it sprang up quickly, looked good, but because the soil was shallow, but what? What? Yeah, that's right. But when the sun came up, the plants were uh, scorched, and they withered because they had no root, right? They weren't deep. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked out the plants so that they did not bear grain. But still other seed fell on good soil. This is the point, right? Good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop and some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Then Jesus said again, how did he start this passage with the word? Listen. Now he kind of closes his parable with saying this. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's say that together. Ready? Because I feel like you guys are sleepy today. Here we go. Ready? Say it out together. Ready? Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Let him hear. That's right. So you can have ears and you can understand words and you can still not hear. You're not hearing me. So communication is absolutely the key. Now, in this story, let me just kind of tell you what Jesus was talking about here. He goes on in the next passage, if you want to read, read Mark chapter 4, and explains it to the disciples because the disciples were freaking out, like, why are you talking like this? And so Jesus says, here's the deal. There's this truth about a relationship with God. And eventually what Jesus talks about is the fact that his death, burial, and resurrection is the key to having forgiveness and finding grace. And a lot of people hear that, sort of a camp experience, right? And they get excited about it, but they don't put down roots. They, they don't join the small group. That's my plug for small groups. Anyway, they don't do something. And all of a sudden, a year later, six months later, three months later, it's like yawn, ah, whatever, you know, irrelevant. And what happens is these different ideas that steal away this amazing truth that we can have a relationship with him. Now, listen. God doesn't take away your free will. So you can free will choose to walk away or you can free will to lean in. And what Jesus says in this passage is at the end, if you lean in, grow deep roots, figure out how to grow in your relationship with God, that your life will be fruitful, that there'll be some sort of joy. There's a, there's a bigger meaning about your life than just getting through the next season or the next day or the next crisis, that there's this big season. 
But some people just kind of walk away and want to do their own thing. I've done that. You've done that. And what Jesus says is, listen, you better, listen, this is it. Let him who have ears, let him hear. This is kind of a famous kind of ideal here. And you, you know what this is like. You know like what it's like to talk to somebody that, um, that you want them to hear you and they're not hearing you. You know what it's like to not be heard, especially in a marriage situation. You're not heard. Uh, there's an acknowledgement of the words and the meaning, but there's no hearing. It's, it's a terrible place to be, right? It, it, it's, it's terrible. So here, here's the deal. You, you want to figure out how to... How to, how to Come to a place where you take responsibility for your understanding. In fact, your understanding is your responsibility. And we have a way of kind of avoiding that. Like, like for example, if you get in a, a fight with your wife or your husband and, and you say, well, I didn't understand. I didn't know that. It's like their fault. Like, you have to inform me. Write it down. And I've had that fight. We'll talk about it in a minute. But we've had this fight. Where it's like, okay, well, next time I'll tell you, I'll email you, I'll text you, and I'll instant message you, Joe. And she'll say, don't you think you're overreacting? I said, yes, that's what it takes. You know, it's that kind of deal. It's like, I want, so I, if I don't understand my wife or if I don't understand my children, or if I don't understand my coworkers, I'm taking responsibility for that. I want to understand. And here's a phrase that Bob Page taught me. Bob Page is one of the most amazing listeners in the world. And he, he said this, help me understand. So I use that phrase a lot. It's like, okay, you're, I hear the words you're saying. I think I understand, but help me understand. Let's say this phrase together. Oh, it went away. Here we go. Nope, go back. And there, here we go. Say it out, because you need to use this a couple times today. Like, hey, after church, you want to go out to this restaurant? You say, help me understand. Because <laughs> it feels like you're saying, right after church, we're going to get in the car and go someplace. But help me understand. So let's say it out loud together, because this needs to be in your vocabulary. Here we go. Ready? Say it out loud. Hey, Missouri City, don't fall asleep. West End. Here we go. Here we go. Ready? Help me understand. Help me understand. Now you're taking responsibility for understanding, right? So listen, we've got to figure out our communication skills. We're not good at this. The brokenness of our life, the sin in our life keeps us from communicating well. And if you're single or dating or want to be married, listen, this is an area of your relationships you need to evaluate. How's the communicating going? Because words are powerful. They're powerfully good and they're powerfully bad. Here's one of my favorite proverbs about communicating. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy to the body. Kind words. And you know this, when you say something kind or sweet or sincere, it just melts the other person, right? It's just like, oh, I can't believe you said that. And you know, right? And you know the opposite. So how do we become an effective communicator? How does this work? Well, I always attack it from the negative side. So let's talk about how do we not be an ineffective communicator? How about that? And I've come up with this thing that I don't even think is right, but it helped me, okay? <laughs> I do this all the time. So this is original. Uh, these are, I think, three categories of ineffective communicators. <laughs> this is such a downer sermon all of a sudden, okay. <laughs> but find yourself, listen, here's my advice as we go through this. Find yourself on this list. 
do not find your spouse. (laughs) Do not go, oh, did you hear point number two? (laughs) That is a fight in waiting because there's only one response to that. Or did you hear point number one? You know, that kind of deal and becomes this big argument. So there's three categories of ineffective communicators, okay? Here's the first one. The first one is the blaster. I came up with that myself. Thank you so much. I'm good. I got it. Yeah, the blaster. This is somebody that says it when they think it. It comes to their mind and they say, I'm a blaster. You know why I'm a blaster? For several reasons. I grew up with some blasters, but... The, the thing that I'm a blast, well, the reason I think I'm a blaster is because I'm an I'm a auditory learner, which means as I speak, I'm thinking, I'm formulating as I speak. Like if I'm just like, go to, I've, that's why I didn't do good in school, like go to the library and learn all that stuff. I couldn't do it. I mean, I got ADD too bad. So as I speak, that's why I'm writing my sermon right now. I mean, this is it. <laughs> it's just coming out. It's like, is it good so far? And the guys in the back are typing words. Okay, put it on the screen. It's quite not that bad, but, but I'm a blaster. I'm a blaster. And you know what drives a blaster? They're emotionally driven. Right there, it's going to come up. Emotionally driven. Right there. It's I feel it, I say it. Right? And so the, the, the thing about this is uh, it's very damaging. I mean, it's, it's a problem. And uh, I feel things very passionately. And so I say them passionately. When I'm not angry, as you can tell, I'm not angry right now. I speak loudly. It makes everybody think, I'm at, what's he angry about? He's not angry. He's passionate. He's excited. And it's like, oh, okay. But the blaster is such a difficult thing. Here's how I know that blasters are hurtful. You have somebody in your life at some point that was a blaster. And they were emotional. And they said something to you. 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, and it still resonates with you today. In fact, if it was a parent, a husband, I mean, a father or a mother or somebody or a boss or somebody, you just don't easily, you can't unhear something and you can't unsay something. But blasters blast it anyway. Here's the thing a couple about blasters. Blasters say what they are thinking and they attack from the front. So that's kind of a bad way to say it, but they're communicating to the front. Here's the thing, here's the, here's the front, right? And they're not very aware. I'm talking about myself here, so I'm not, I'm not blasting you. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get better. But um, they, they're not really concerned about the other person's body language or feelings. So they just say it. And then they use the Popeye theology. Well, I am what I am. Well, you're awful, so change, you know, so that's kind of how that works. So, you know, it's that thing. So, listen, uh, they, they attack from the front, and, and um, here's what happens with blasters. Here's the category of blasters. The blaster is clear but hurtful. Clear but hurtful. And the other thing, I was talking to somebody about this today, they're not very truthful. And, and the reason they're not very truthful and again, I'm talking about myself. Don't sit there. I saw the nudge. Well, don't do that. You know, it's like the reason they're not truthful is because not everything you feel is true, even if you feel it's true. But you're emotionally driven. You don't care about me. 
What do you mean? I don't care about you. Yeah, you don't care about me. Feels true. It ain't true. So you got to be careful with the blaster. We got to move on to the next one because I'm feeling terribly convicted. Okay, so. <laughs> but it's, it's powerful. Look, look, at this is kind of a verse for the blaster. Proverbs 21 says, those who guard their mouths and tongues keep themselves from calamity. And I have brought so much more calamity on my relationships, especially with Lisa uh, over the years. And all of a sudden you have this issue, you have this issue and you want to have a conversation about it. She's a different type of communicator than me. So I'm having this blasting conversation about what's going on. I'm not really angry. I'm just saying it loud. And I say things that I shouldn't say. I say things that I, that I wish I would have never said and all that stuff. And what happens, blasters, you know this, what happens is that exchange becomes the issue. And the issue that brought up that exchange is not longer the issue. In fact, that issue wasn't even a big deal. But the way you talk to me, that now it's a big deal. You're the big deal. And I told Lisa one time, I said, I'm just so tired of being the problem. And she said, I am too. And uh, <laughs> just so tired of, you know, I, so I've had to figure this out. I'm a blaster. It's not good. And I'm, I've made progress. Lisa would tell you I've made some progress, a lot of counseling. I'm giving you this stuff for free. I paid for this. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the second category, maybe you can figure yourself here. Second category, again, I made this up. And I wanted them to rhyme. So you had the blaster. Now you have the secret code master. Yeah, secret code master. This is Lisa, okay? She's not here, so I can tell you. She is uh, a secret code. I have to, you need a decipher ring to try to figure out what they're talking about. It's like, because they don't attack from the front. They attack from the flank. It's a side attack on this, what's going on. It's totally ineffective because all of a sudden what's happening is you, you, you're, you're talking about all this stuff. There's been several times that Lisa and I are talking, trying to communicate, and I've had to say, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying it's a key that you're a secret code master. If you have to re-explain what you just explained, you're not a blaster, congratulations, you're going to heaven. But <laughs> the secret code master is so frustrating. It's so frustrating because it's like, okay, well, what, what, are we, what are we talking about? I've said it going there, you know, Lisa was so great with the kids and that our children love, love her so much and all that. But, you know, I'd go in there and go, well, you need to go in there because if I go in there, I'm going to blast. I don't want to blast. You need to go in there and give correction. And, and uh, <laughs> several times, especially when my kids were teenagers, where she'd go in there, yeah, I had a good talk with them. I, I talked to them. I told them what was up. And the kid would come out and I said, your mom talked to you? And they'd say, yeah. I said, what'd you talk about? And they'd say, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, that's a problem. So it's like this. Okay, here's, the, here's my example. This did not happen. This is totally hypothetical because it's ridiculous because my wife would never do this. But here's how a secret code master would approach something. Like, for example, if I had bad breath, which I do after every time I speak uh, for some reason, a blaster would say, you stink, okay? A blaster would say, woo, you know? But a secret code master would do this. Hey, Patrick, um, 
do you like Tic Tacs? They always, listen, secret code, if you don't know, I'm not, I don't know if I'm a secret code master or not. You ask questions where blasters make declarative statements. So you're asking questions. And I'd say, yeah, I, I like Tic Tacs. What's your favorite kind of Tic Tac? What's your favorite flavor? And I'd say, I like wintergreen. Oh, I do too. You know, when I was little, my dad used to take me to the drugstore and he would always allow me to buy whatever I wanted on the candy aisle, and I'd always get wintergreen Tic Tacs. <laughs> and at this point, I'm trying to decipher. Does she want a Tic Tac? <laughs> Is she angry that I don't have wintergreen Tic Tacs? Does she miss her dad? What is going on here? So if your partner has to say, what is going on here? You're a secret code master. And here's the deal about secret code masters. They're unclear, but they're kind. They're kind. You love these people. They're just always so encouraging. It's because you don't know what they're saying. Your breath stinks and they won't tell you. They're fearful, they're fear-driven, they're fear-driven, they don't wanna hurt your feelings. So they come from the side, the side attack. And it's like, ah, oh, this is the most fresh. Can you imagine a blaster and the secret code master marrying? I mean, it's just like, oh my God. Okay, there's a third category, we gotta move on here. Third category, this is a good one. Okay, remember, it's rhyming. So you got the blaster, you got the secret code master, and here's the other one. The starvation disaster. The starvation disaster, you're starving for communication. Like, you don't talk. Your dad or mom may have been like this. You're not a communicator. You're non-communicative. It's like, you don't say anything, right? And it's like, you're trying to, your partner's always trying to pull it out of you. It's like, well, what do you think? And it's like, uh... And you think they're not listening. They are listening intensely because they're not emotionally driven or fear-driven. They're thought-driven. And they're thinking. These are the kind of people that will not articulate a thought until it's fully developed. I've got half-baked ideas coming out of my mouth all the time. <laughs> right? But there's this thought-driven person that, and so you got to say, well, let me think about that. Let me think about it. We're going to lunch after church. What do you mean? Let me think about that. I mean, like, where do you want to go? Let me, don't rush me. I got to think about that. And every decision they make is typically wise and good, but you're starving for communication. It's like you're trying to pull. This is a big warning sign, too, if you're dating somebody, and it's like trying to, trying to get somebody to, you know, just tell, just tell me. Just tell me. Just tell me. Just say it. Because... For me, and this, this took a long time for me, Lisa's kind of like this in the fact that she doesn't uh, execute half-baked ideas. She needs time to process this stuff. A lot of people do. I don't. I process as I'm talking. So I don't need any time. You want to go to lunch? Yes, I want to go to lunch. You know, and it's there. I mean, it's right there. And so, so this person, uh, this person as a, 
what happens a lot of times with this person is this starvation disaster guy or girl, all of a sudden what will happen, they'll think and overthink it and rethink it. And it creates anxiety and stomach issues and all kinds of problems. And, and then what, a lot of times what happens is they have thought about it so much they've determined it ain't worth talking about. And they just swallow it. And that's why a lot of times the starvation disaster becomes the blaster because something sets them off. And they've been sitting on some stuff for a long time. They wanted to say it. They didn't. So the starvation disaster is, uh, is clear. When they say something, you understand what they're saying, but they're untimely. Again, your partner would say, well, what, what are we talking about? Oh, you know, remember last week we were talking about that Tic Tac? Well, listen, I was thinking, you need one. You know, that kind of deal. You just, that was last week. What are you talking about? You know, that kind of thing. So this is ineffective. And so we got to get better. Now, I would like to tell you, you got to get better at this. And you do, you do. You need to read a book or do something. You need to figure it out. The first part of helping yourself be a better communicator is to figure out which one you generally, I'm sure there's other categories, but these are the people in my life, right? And so you got to figure that out. So how can we be effective communicators? And I'm going to hit on that really quick because we're running out of time here. But here's how we do it. First, here's your goal. Your goal isn't to just be a... Quit being this. That's a bad goal. Here's the real goal. The real goal is to be an expert listener. That's your goal. Be an expert listener. Be an expert listener. Like, if you want to be a better communicator, you got to be an expert. If you really want to help somebody, don't give them advice. Listen to them. You're closest, emotionally closest to somebody in your life because they listen to you and you feel heard by them. And when you don't feel heard, regardless if you've been married a long time or a short time, when you don't feel heard, then all of a sudden you don't feel close. We want to be heard. In fact, you should do this. Here's your homework. You should find somebody in your life that's an amazing listener. There's so many people like that around here. That's why small groups is important. Again, another plug. Thank you. And... Uh, it's this idea that uh, there are so many great listeners, and, and, and but don't, uh, just observe them. Don't go up to them and say, Pastor told me to find a good listener, and you're a good listener. You're creepy at that point. Don't do that, okay? I have to tell you this because I want to be clear and hurtful. And so don't go up to somebody and say, you're good. Just watch them. Watch what they do. Watch what they do. Here's what James says. James says this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. That's the first priority. Then you can speak. And then if you need to get angry, get angry. So there's two obstacles to being a good listener. I'm going to hit really, really quick. One is this, interruptions. Interruptions. You've got to get bored and create margin in your life to have conversation happen. And we're so stinking busy, and we're on our phones all the time, and we got big lives to live. And you can be so busy doing that you never communicate, you never connect, you never hear anybody. So you've got to get rid of these um, uh, interruptions. At our dinner table, we would say, no texting at the table. Don't bring your phone over here. And we'd have these no media Mondays growing up in my house. No media Monday, no TV, no nothing. And you know what happened? We got so stinking bored that we were at each other's throats. All of our biggest fights were on Monday between the kids and me and Lisa. Lisa hated no media Monday worse than the kids. Anyway, so we got to, I said, no, we're not doing no media Monday. And we eventually found a groove to where we made up all kinds of fun things to do as a family. We invented the cops and robbers game. We jumped off the roof into the pool. We built human pyramids. A girl broke her arm. It's awesome. 
So you gotta, you gotta create bore, boring space in order to communicate. Here's the second uh, obstacle to communication. If you wanna be a good listener, expectations. Expectations kill relationships. They kill relationships. They kill relationships because you think you already know what the other person's gonna say and so you never bring it up. Especially if you've been married as long as I have. You know, it's like, okay, well, I know how this ends. And I do, I knew how to, and most of the time I'm right. But, it's that kind of frustration and fatigue that happens in a relationship when you outguessed yourself and communication stops. Nobody likes to have a conversation. Like, if, if you've been in a relationship a long time, don't you just have long-term conversations in your own head before ever bringing anything up if you ever do with somebody else because you know how it's going to play out? That kills communication. So if you want to be an effective listener or an expert listener and create commu good communication skills, you're going to have to get rid of your expectations. You, go, you can say, hey, I think I know how this is going to end, but I'm going to say something. When I started in ministry 30 years ago, uh, one of the things I got to do is I got to go to the hospital visit. And there's a pastor there named Ted Gaze, older guy. And Pastor Gaze was going to teach me how to do... A hospital visit. You'd think they're easy. And so we went to the hospital, and he goes, okay, Patrick, here's the deal. You go do the hospital visit, and we'll see how you do. So I walked in, introduced myself, shook their hand, talked to the person, tell me that, okay. Look, look concerned, you know, hey, I'm concerned. And uh, then I uh, pretty much just prayed for the person and said, thank you. If I can do anything, let me know. I was very sincere. I mean, I really cared. But I walked out of the deal, and I said, Pastor Gaze, I said, Ted, how do you think I did? He said, what well, it probably was the worst hospital visit I've ever seen, really. So what are you talking about? I thought I was incredible. I mean, really. He said, well, do you think you just blessed that person by showing up as Pastor Patrick and, and you prayed for him and you have some sort of special anointing from God? Do you even know that person's wife's name? Do you know that person's family? Do you know what they're going through? You know what? This whole time you only ask medical questions, not spiritual questions, not emotional questions. And I said, what else did I do wrong? And he said, well, you didn't sit down. You came going. And I said, teach me, sensei. <laughs> teach me. And he was amazing. From that point on, when I go to a hospital visit, I sit down. I take my time. I ask questions. It's so enriching for me. And I thought, oh. That's, that's the deal. That, that's the point. So anyway, we got to go. Be an expert communicator. Y'all hearing me? Yeah. All right, let me pray for us. Father and God, um, we're terrible at this. And we're all broken in it, and we need your help. So would you help us? In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Y'all have a great week.